a sack of Bibles this morning. It's in the Genesis chapter 9. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 9 this morning. <clears throat> and we're going to read from verse 25 this morning. Genesis chapter 9, verse 25. And we read, And he said, Cursed be Canaan, the servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. Let's begin our time with a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to be here today. <clears throat> we thank you, Lord, that we can gather in this place, that we can gather around your word. And Lord, I pray that you bless our time this morning as we consider the second half of this prophecy here. May you speak to our hearts this morning. Uh, may you teach us, uh, refresh us through your word. And Lord, may we this morning leave uh, singing your praises and giving all glory and honor unto your name. Lord, I pray that you empower me now through the Holy Spirit. You give me wisdom and guidance as I speak. Everything I say this morning would be uh, your words. It would be from you. Lord, I pray that you be honored and glorified now in Jesus' name. Amen. And of course, last Sunday evening we uh, began to look at these verses here, verse 25 to verse 27, and uh, we saw that there's this remarkable prophecy uh, recorded for us here. Uh, God sees fit to uh, reveal to Noah uh, basically an overview of world history, an overview of what's going to happen with his descendants, the, the three streams of mankind through his three sons, uh, basically telling us the role that each of those descendants would fulfill down through history. And we said last week that you know, God has appointed man to- mankind in general to be steward over his creation, to oversee, to care for and use, understand this world, this earth that we dwell upon. And this stewardship can be divided into three responsibilities. We talked about the fact that there's a spiritual responsibility, there's the receiving, uh, there is the preserving and teaching of the knowledge of God's word and the knowledge of God. There's an intellectual responsibility that expanding and understanding this world and understanding our knowledge of it, expanding that knowledge, it's an intellectual responsibility. And then thirdly, there's that physical responsibility, um, that technological pursuit, providing for the material needs of mankind. And this prophecy seems to indicate to us that uh, the descendants of each of these sons would primarily be concerned with one of those pursuits, that the nations descending from them would be concerned uh, in general with one of those areas of responsibility. And of course last week we looked at the descendants of Ham and we saw that Ham's descendants were cursed to be a servant of servants. Uh, unto their brethren, unto the rest of mankind. It says that there in verse 25, it says, And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, shall he be unto his brethren. And we talked about how this indicated that they would primarily fulfill the role of uh, that practical, that physical responsibility. That they would be concerned with the technological pursuits of life and, and you know, farming and all those kind of things. And in doing so, they would serve all mankind. They would serve their brethren. 
And indeed, as we look through history, we see this prophecy fulfilled. As many of the nations that descended from (coughs) Ham have been concerned with those things. And material pursuits have uh, been their concern and they have served the rest of mankind with these things. They've given us many devices, many advances in technology that we now use and we take for granted. Many of them began with the descendants of Ham. And because of this prophecy, uh, sorry, because of this prophecy, there was also a curse. We talked about that last week. There was the curse upon the descendants of Ham. And yes, they would advance many of these things, but then they would go no further. And we talked about how the descendants of Shem and Japheth would indeed overtake them. That was the curse. You know, their practical knowledge, their technological advancements would be taken and built upon by their brethren. And they would be, in a sense, left behind or uh, overtaken. Uh, displaced by their brethren. And so the prophecy has been fulfilled, even the aspect of the curse. That brings us now this morning to Noah's prophecy concerning his other two sons and their descendants. And once again this morning as we consider these two uh, verses here, these two prophecies, uh, once again we see the omniscience of God. I mean, that's really what's highlighted to us here as we, we look at this prophecy. We see how awesome and how wonderful our God is. His knowledge of the future, his knowledge of all things is revealed to us here uh, this morning. So first of all here this morning, we see the blessing unto Shem. The blessing unto Shem. Look there in verse 26. It says, And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servants. So no one now turns his attention to Shem. And in contrast with the words that were spoken to Ham, uh, the words to Shem are a blessing. It's the complete contrast, the complete opposite of what was spoken to Ham. And of course, this is a reflection of what has taken place earlier on in the chapter. Okay? Because Shem and Japheth, of course, had shown themselves to be more respectful unto their father. They'd been more honorable in that they went backwards into the tent and covered their, na- their father's shame, their father's nakedness. Uh, we saw that there in verse 23. It says, And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And the faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. And so they had not acted like Ham who had rejoiced in his father's sin, Instead, Shem and Japheth had been respectful, had been honorable in their response. And the prophecy concerning them now reflects their godly actions, as both of them are, giving a, are given a blessing by their father, a blessing which is a prophecy for world history. And Shem is addressed first out of these two sons. And that's interesting because Shem is not the eldest. Okay? Shem is, in fact, uh, the middle-born son. And yet he's placed first before Japheth. And everywhere we look in the word of God, we always see Shem is listed first. Just go back to chapter 5 with me. Chapter 5, verse uh, uh, 32. Genesis chapter 5, verse 32. It says, And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Chapter 6, verse 10. Same thing. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham and Japheth. We could go on. We could look at chapter 9, verse 18, chapter 10, verse 1, even in First Chronicles, chapter 1, verse 4. 
the same order is given. Every single time, Shem is listed first. And there's a reason why he's listed first, because he receives the greater blessing. Okay, it's a clear indication of the blessing, the great blessing that is bestowed upon him by God. Now, constantly throughout the Old Testament, we see uh, this happening. We see God choosing, not the eldest, but the secondborn, and elevating them and giving them the greater blessing. Now, in Genesis chapter 4, we saw Cain and Abel. And of course, Abel was chosen instead of Cain. Why? Because he was that man of faith. Because he honored God. And of course, when Abel was then murdered by Cain, God chose Seth instead of as a substitute for Abel. In Genesis chapter 25, we see the the story of Jacob and Esau. And again, God chooses Jacob over Esau. He chooses the younger. He gives him the greater blessing. Why? Because he was a man of faith. Because he was someone that God could use. God saw in him that Jacob was concerned with the spiritual. And so right throughout the Old Testament, we see God choosing the one who's of faith, the one who's the, the godly one, to give them this greater blessing and elevate them to this blessed position chosen by God for this special blessing. And we see the same thing takes place here. That's why Shem's listed first, because God gives to him the greater blessing. Now Shem is chosen by God to have bestowed upon him this wonderful blessing that we'll see this morning. Now it's true that both Shem and Japheth had acted honorably. Okay, we saw that. They both acted respectfully in going backwards and covering their father's shame. But there's something different about Shem. There's something that stands out about Shem that means that he receives this greater blessing from God. And it's indicated to us in the blessing itself. As we read this blessing, we we find out why it is that he receives this greater blessing. You see, verse 26, we read this. It says, And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem. Notice that Noah, he doesn't say, blessed be Shem. He doesn't say that. What he says is, blessed be the Lord God of Shem. You see, while it appears at first that this is a blessing or praise to God, rather than a direct blessing to Shem and his descendants, it is in fact the greatest blessing of them all. Okay, as you look at these words and you understand what these words are saying, this is the greatest blessing that anyone can ever have given unto them or said about them. You see, in these words here, we see a couple of things declared. The first one is that the Lord God is Shem's God. That's what it says. Okay, it says, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem. And the word Lord there is Jehovah. And so it's saying that Jehovah is Shem's God. You see, this tells us that Shem had a personal relationship with God. That's what it's declaring to us. He had a personal relationship with the Lord. He sought after the God of his father, the God of Noah, and he had that relationship with him. And that relationship is obviously evident unto others. I mean, his father Noah obviously saw it, obviously knew it. He understood this relationship that Shem had with God. But even more than that, these words are a prophetic declaration that Shem's descendants would know God, that they would have the knowledge and worship of the one true God, that it would be found amongst his descendants, preserved in his descendants, that Jehovah would be their God. 
You see, Noah is aware of just how great this blessing is. And that's why he breaks forth in praise. That's why he says, blessed be the Lord God of Shem. That's why he says it like this. He's breaking forth in praise because he understands just how great this blessing really is. You know, the psalmist David, he likewise understood how great this blessing is and he expresses it in the Psalms. Let's just quickly turn over there. Psalm 33. In Psalm 33, in verse 12, we read this. It says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. The psalmist understood this. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the the nation that he has chosen. Psalm 144 says the same thing. Let's just quickly turn there. Psalm 144. Psalm 144 and verse 15. It says, Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. You see, it truly is a blessed thing to know that God is your Lord, that He is your God. It's the greatest blessing that man can know, the greatest blessing that a nation can know. And as we look at Shem's descendants, we can see how this great prophecy has been wonderfully fulfilled, how this blessing has been fulfilled. You see, it was indeed amongst the descendants of Shem that God, Jehovah, was known and worshipped, in particular amongst God's people, the Jews. In Genesis chapter 11, it's clear that Abraham is a direct descendant of Shem. Let's just quickly go there, Genesis 11. Genesis 11 and verse 10. It says, These are the generations of Shem. Shem was a hundred years old and begat Arphaxad two years after the flood. And then drop down to verse 26. It says, And Terah lived 70 years and begat Abram. So Abraham is the direct descendant of Shem. And Abraham, of course, as we all know, was chosen by God. Chosen, why? Because of his faith in the Lord. Chosen to be the father of the nation of Israel. In Genesis chapter 12, we see the Lord declare to Abraham, Abraham this great blessing that he would give to him, that he would make of him a great nation, and he would spiritually bless his descendants. In chapter 12, verse 1, I just want to read a little bit. It says there in verse 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I'll make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I'll bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And so this was the blessing given to Abraham, spoken in a similar way. This blessing would make him a great nation, and he put his name with that nation. He would spiritually bless them, and they would be a blessing unto the rest of mankind. And of course, the nation of Israel is the direct fulfillment of these words. The prophecy to Shem, the prophecy to Abraham, the direct fulfillment of these words. God was not ashamed to be called their God. Hebrews 11 verse 16 tells us that. God was not ashamed to be called their God. 
And so throughout the Old Testament, we see the fulfillment of these words to Shem, this blessing that among his descendants, the name of God, the the name of Jehovah would be known and worshipped. And of course, it's through Shem's descendants, the Jews, that mankind is given the law of God. It's through them that we have the word of God in our possession, where we have a knowledge of God ourselves. It's through them, of course, that the promised seed came, the Lord Jesus Christ, to provide salvation for all mankind. And so the descendants of Shem have indeed been blessed greatly. They have indeed fulfilled this prophecy. They have been the ones through whom the promised seed will come. But you know, for Noah, this knowledge that Shem's descendants would seek the law would have been a great joy, wouldn't it? You know, along with that, along with that goes a negative side as well, because you see, this prophecy implies that the other two families of mankind would not seek the Lord. It implies that the other two families, Ham and Japheth, would turn away from God, would be estranged from knowing the true God. It's implied they would forget God and serve themselves and serve false idols, false gods. You know, that has been fulfilled. That prophecy has been fulfilled as well because directly, uh, sorry, after this, the descendants of Ham and Japheth, they did turn away from God. For basically the next 2,400 years until Christ, the, the descendants of Ham and Japheth didn't know Jehovah. They didn't worship him. They turned away from him. He was only known amongst the descendants of Shem, amongst the Jews. And so we've seen the blessing upon Shem that he, his descendants would know the one true God, that they would preserve his name and they would seek him spiritually. Okay? Theirs was a spiritual responsibility. And then secondly, now this morning, we see the blessing unto Japheth. The blessing unto Japheth. We're in chapter 9, verse 27. It says, God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servants. So finally, now we come to the prophecy concerning Japheth. And it says, God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem. Now there's two parts. There's, it's clear there's, there's a divide here. There's two parts to this prophecy. And so let's start with the first part there where it says God shall enlarge Japheth. Now apparently here in the Hebrew there is a play on words because the name Japheth is actually very similar to the word uh, enlarged. Okay? They're very similar Hebrew words. There's a play on words here. And Japheth's name actually means expansion what his name means. And so God here declares that he will enlarge this one whose name means expansion. But we need to understand in what way does that mean? Okay? In what way is this expansion to take place? In what way will he be enlarged? Well, most commentators see there's, there's two ways that this has been fulfilled. There is two types of expansion prophesied here. The first is the most obvious that the Lord would enlarge both the size of land occupied by the descendants of Japheth and also enlarge the size of population, the size of his descendants. And when we consider the nations that descend from Japheth, it is clear that this prophecy has been fulfilled. Now, the descendants of Japheth are those that we generally consider or identify as being the, the Gentile nations in the New Testament. Okay, the Greeks, the Romans, 
and from there the, the European nations. And indeed, these nations have been the great colonizers, haven't they? The great colonizers throughout history, traveling to distant lands, expanding their borders. And often these lands that they went and colonized were already inhabited by who? The descendants of Ham, who in turn have been displaced, as we talked about last week, or they've been absorbed into the newly established colony of Japheth's descendants. And indeed, as we look around the world, we can see that, can't we? We can see how, how the, the Europeans have spread out. The descendants of Japheth have spread out around the world and, and colonized the world. They've enlarged the borders of Japheth. On this one commentator wrote, he said, Japheth had the colonizing faculty, the disposition to push on his conquests far and wide. Shem was devoted to home and fathers, a conserver of the past, upholding the doctrine of standing still, possessing no spirit of adventure. And you, see, you can see that difference, can't you? As we look at the descendants of Japheth and the descendants of Shem, we can see that difference. The descendants of Japheth have had that spirit of adventure. They have pushed on, enlarged, expanded their borders. Whereas the descendants of Shem have largely remained in the Middle East. They've largely remained where they were. They were content to stay. And that's where they remained. This word enlarged here seems to be referring to more than just this expansion of borders. That they would expand the borders and expand as a population. The word enlarged refers to more than that. You see, the Hebrew word here is not the usual word translated enlarged. In fact, it's, it's not translated this way anywhere else. It's only translated like that here in this passage. Usually, this word is translated entice or to persuade. And it's derived from a word which means to make open. And so the word seems to be indicating to have an open mind. To have an open mind, to be someone who is able to be persuaded, okay, enticed to learn. Have your, your mindset changed okay, as you learn, you develop an open mind. And so it's speaking not just about this physical enlargement of borders, but it's talking also about a mental enlargement. Barnes writes this, he says, The expansive power refers not only to the territory and the multitude of the Japheths, uh, Japhethites, sorry, but also to their intellectual and active faculties. And so it's talking about that intellectual pursuit. Remember what we said in the introduction, the stewardship of mankind, spiritual, intellectual, and physical. Japheth sought after the intellectual, the mental. His descendants would be of an open mind. They would be intellectually curious, explorers of thoughts. And this, of course, as I said, it fits with what we have said about man's stewardship here on earth. Ham was primarily concerned with the physical realm, technological pursuits. Shem, concerned with the spiritual. And Japheth, concerned with the intellectual. And as we look at the nations descending from Japheth, now we see this has generally been true. Barnes again writes this, he says, The metaphysics of the Hindus, the philosophy of the Greeks, the military prowess of the Romans and the modern science and civilization of the world are due to the race of Japheth. And so all these things can be traced back to his descendants. Indeed, we, 
in general are the descendants of Japheth, the Europeans. Now all these things come from his side, these, these uh, intellectual pursuits, the sciences, all these things. And so they have been known for these pursuits right throughout history, just as God declared here at the very beginning. But the prophecy concerning Japheth's descendants doesn't end here. As I said, there's two parts to it. Because Noah then goes on and he says, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem. He shall dwell in the tents of Shem. Now the phrase dwell in the tents of is a common figure of speech. And basically it means to have fellowship with. To have fellowship with. For instance, in Psalm 84 verse 10, we read this, it says, I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. The phrase dwell in the tents of wickedness there, it means to live in wickedness, to live out of fellowship with God, to live in fellowship with sin. And that's the idea here, it's this, this same idea, dwell in the tents of Shem here, means that the descendants of Japheth would have fellowship with Shem. But they would have fellowship with him and they would enjoy his inheritance. What was Shem's inheritance? What was his blessing? Well, as we saw, it was that amongst his descendants, the name of God, the name of Jehovah would be known. Theirs was a spiritual blessing. The knowledge, the worship of God. And so this is a prophecy here when it says that he should dwell in the tents of Shem. This is a prophecy that Japheth's descendants would come to know the true God would come to know Jehovah, enjoy the spiritual blessings of that relationship through or by Shem, because of Shem. Weasby writes this, God is the God of Shem, and the descendants of Japheth would find God in the tents of Shem. Israel was chosen by God to be a light to the Gentiles, for salvation is of the Jews. You see, the Jews... In particular, as we saw, they are the fulfillment of that prophecy. They had the knowledge of God, and it was their responsibility to be a light unto the Gentiles. Salvation is of the Jews. And of course, this prophecy, us dwelling in the tents of Shem, is most wonderfully fulfilled when the Lord Jesus Christ came to earth, the descendant of Shem, when Christ came to earth, died on the cross, and established His church. When he did so, Christ brought light to the Gentiles. The commentator Butler writes, The greatest fulfillment of this prophecy is in the inclusion of the Gentiles with the Jews in the gospel. When the Gentiles were invited to be fellow heirs with the Jews of the grace of life, Japheth began to dwell in the tents of Shem. Likewise, another commentator said this, he said, the descendants of Japheth have now largely come in to share Shem's blessing. For as Gentiles, they have been grafted on the good olive tree. Shem's spiritual heritage is ours. You see, we have been grafted in to the good olive tree. That is the, that's the picture, the illustration that Paul uses in Romans chapter 11. We've been grafted in. And we now partake of that spiritual blessing because we're dwelling in the tents of Shem. Enjoying that blessing. Likewise in Ephesians 2, Paul speaks about how Christ has made all one body. We're all one body in Christ. Go there, Ephesians 2, let's read it. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 
Ephesians 2 and verse 13. It says, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of petition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both under God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. You see, God has broken down that middle wall of the petition, and we now are one body in Christ. We're no more strangers or foreigners. We're now the children of God through Christ. You see, the Gentiles have come to dwell in the tents of Shem, to enjoy the blessing of knowing God. God, knowing Jehovah. Now it's true that of course the church is made up of all the descendants of Shem, uh, descendants of Noah, sorry, Shem, Ham and Japheth. All of them are one body in Christ. All of them are members of the church. But in the early church when the gospel was spreading out from Jerusalem, it spread out into Asia Minor and it spread out into Europe. And it was taken up by those in Europe, the descendants of Japheth, And it was their descendants who predominantly then carried it to the rest of the world. It's the descendants of Japheth who carried the gospel message. And of course the descendants of Japheth then have been greatly blessed because of this knowledge of God. It's the Western world. This knowledge of God that we were built upon. That's the blessing that we found because we've dwelled in the tents of Shem. You know, the more we turn away from God, the more we stop dwelling in the tents of Shem, the worse things get. Okay, but that's, where we've, that's why the Western world is the way it is, because it was built upon that, dwelling in the tents of Shem, having this knowledge of God. Now, it's clear that Noah's prophecy here in Genesis chapter 9 has been wonderfully fulfilled throughout history. In general, it's been true throughout history that the descendants of Shem have been dominated by religious motivations. And it's through them that the knowledge of the one true God has been known. The descendants of Japheth have been primarily concerned with pursuing science, philosophy. They've been intellectually minded and indeed have come to dwell in the tents of Shem to enjoy that spiritual blessing. And the Hamites, as we saw last week, have uniquely served the world with their technological pursuits. This prophecy is a wonderful, wonderful overview of world history. And once again this morning, I trust that we can see the hand of God, that we marvel at how great our God really is. You know, our God at the very beginning, He already knew what was going to happen with mankind. And it gives us confidence that He already knows what's going to happen tomorrow, doesn't He? Our God is in control. Our God is on the throne. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your word this morning. Uh, Lord, we we thank you, Lord, that you are such a great, wonderful, omniscient God, that you know all things. 
that Lord, even at the very beginning, you, you knew the course that history would take. And Lord, we thank you for uh, the, this being recorded for us and that, Lord, we can see this and, and give glory to your name. Lord, may you help us, therefore, with confidence, know that you know what's going to happen tomorrow. Help us remember these truths and may we give glory and honor unto your name this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.